And now, right to your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. Hello and welcome to Down the Garden Path, where we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down to Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host, Matthew Dressing. Hello, Matthew. Hello, Joanne, and a good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it is important and possible to have great gardens, which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. That's right. And so tonight, we would like to discuss a form of gardening, which will help you build healthy soil, even in the most challenging locations, without the backbreaking labor known as lasagna gardening. I know it's going to make everybody hungry, but just bear <laughs> with us here. Whether you're growing beautiful flowers or tasty vegetables, something called lasagna gardening is a way you can easily give your plants healthy living soil. Um, and again, in any situation. So if you have a question about it or an experience with lasagna gardening, we would love for you to join the conversation. Please send your questions to instudio101 at gmail.com. Hello. Hello. So uh, we are going to start off, I think, with what is lasagna gardening, because there's probably a bunch of listeners going, huh? Yeah, what is that? What right? are you talking about? Uh, so we'll start with that. And then I think maybe maybe the key point from our, our little Joanne's little entry there is just how awesome it is that you are able to do this in such challenging locations. So what is lasagna gardening? Um, and I'm going to throw it to you because you've done this and you have yes. that going on in your garden. And obviously, as my listeners or our listeners know, I, mine is a garden on the balcony so no on the balcony that's right well for me so i don't know if mine was true mine was like a single layer uh, lasagna or double layer lasagna if you want to call it that way so i know there's many different ways to do it there's sheet composting sheep sheet composting there's different terminology um so i'll speak to what i did and then we can talk about the variations on that so yeah. i as as many old, uh, uh long-time listeners know so i have a corner lot with no sidewalk and um uh, you know quite a deep corner in the lot in the lawn and grass would not grow so we certainly had already had an existing garden there but close to the curb and all along the street on the corner just got burned to a crisp really uh, always it always struggled challenging spot to water uh that type of thing um but a lot is still sod you know and so a lot of sod to remove if i wanted to make that a garden and, uh, you know, I removed sod in my other areas and I was just like, there's just no way. So I learned um, about health strip gardening. So I definitely want to give a shout out to Evelyn Haddon. So she's written about it. Um, something you can also because it really and in, in for my case, it really was the health strip, right? Because I don't have a sidewalk and it's kind of what was on the curb right beside the uh, along the road tough, tough growing conditions. So I, um, with the help of my husband and son, uh, decided, did some research and I decided to cover. So I didn't remove anything, but we covered all of that soil, all of that um, sod, old sod and poorly performing uh, um, grass with cardboard. So just cup, I, I saved, it's funny because I like saved cardboard for like weeks because we were planning on doing it. And my husband like looked at the car, like comes outside to help that morning and looks at, looks at the space and looks at the cardboard and goes, that's not enough. So don't I have to go <laughs> dumpster diving? So yeah, so make sure you have a lot of cardboard is my first tip, more <laughs> than you think you need. Um, and certainly cardboard, the thinner boxes, not so anything with a waxy coating, um, remove the... Uh, that's one big tip. Remove the packing tape. I'm still finding packing tape in the garden. That's another story. It uh, <laughs> does not decompose. So anyway, so we covered, we overlapped where we could, uh, covering it all. Um, if it was windy, we could have wet that down, but we didn't. 
we, uh, it wasn't. So we, um, you know, a few places we'd put like a rock or two or something like that just to hold it in place. And then I ordered um, some uh, composted pine mulch, some really, you know, really rich mulch. And we put that on top of all the cardboard. So about three, four inches thick in all the places. Um, You know, it certainly was a little tricky along the curb, you know, to kind of make that nice clean line, that type of thing. And as well as when the edge that uh, there was an edge that was on the driveway and the other edge that was on the on the lawn. Um, And we did this in October, kind of late October. Uh, and I was able to, so I didn't do anything else. Like we didn't, I didn't water it. I didn't baby it. I didn't do anything, but late October, winter comes, spring comes. Uh, I was able to plant in that garden in, uh, the end of June. So, and that is still today. So I have topped up with some more mulch. I haven't done a lot of, uh, of organics in that garden at all. And the plants have done well and yeah, so you know, and so that's kind of lasagna gardening. So obviously I just did the one layers, like the, the, the cardboard and the compost, but the benefit of this is not backbreaking because it's not only backbreaking to remove the sod, but then where do you put it, right? Discarding it is yeah. often a challenge. Um, we can't put it in our brown bags, that type of thing. So, um, and if you wanted to do a vegetable garden, then you certainly could, you know, I think, you know, we were talking about how to make it more organic. I think, you know, definitely the cardboard, you could add your compost from your kitchen, like, you know, your kitchen compost, you can add mulch, you can add dried leaves, you know, you could really layer it. So hence the lasagna idea. How was that? It was a bit of explanation and definition at the same time. Yeah, yeah. No, no. So that's really good. So the Hellstrip Garden that you got, um, and I think maybe the book, um, it kind of focuses on using this like lasagna garden method. Um, to really transform uh, and, you know, change that soil, those rough spots and those rough conditions and save us labor and ripping stuff out, but also transforming, like you said, that really kind of crappy soil that just kind of gets compacted or, you know, salt and snow and pollution get dumped on there. Um, and just thinking of, you know, looking at the average boulevard mm-hmm. on the street. And yeah. then lasagna gardening, it sounds like you, like you were saying, you did like the two layers. So the cardboard is used and it's going to blanket and, and starve everything of sunlight um, and kill everything below, especially like your sod. Uh, yeah. And then you put on the nice, rich um, organic mulch. And so the idea is that everything kind of composts, composts down, right? You've got your, your mulch yeah. and holding the moisture and as an organic matter, and then you've got your brown matter in your cardboard. And then you've got some of your green matter and the soil microbes underneath that in the grass you're trying to kill in the soil to kind of break it all down and compost all those layers and slowly transform them all. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I think you can do it, um, you know, you can modify it however you like. Uh, I know it's possible to do it with I've heard uh, people using because car because it was a lot of work to go find the cardboard especially that day too to go and get it and to cut it and so it is a little labor intensive I, I still think easier than than taking out the sod yeah um, you know <laughs> yeah but if you in this day and age who has a newspaper but if you do or if you know how to access newspaper then that's certainly something you could save up and I I think you would have to do like thick you know really thick layers of the paper or else um, it gets like a sheet of one sheet of paper, newspaper would be hard to work with, right? It's going to blow around a lot or move around. So, so definitely newspaper um, added with the, the, the like uh, organic materials, that type of thing. You could certainly add more, make it much more of a lasagna idea. Um, and I think we were talking off, uh, off, I'm going to say off camera, <laughs> off air and said, you know, that the more layers, cause mine was already at the, I couldn't make it higher because I, the grade and the curb, like everything was kind of dictating that I couldn't go much higher, but right. I could definitely see if you wanted a, a raised garden in your backyard, for instance, or a raised vegetable garden, and you wanted it a little bit more, even if you wanted to put like a wood edging around it. So I think you still could use the same principle of building your box on your sod and then 
or whether you do the, the box before or after, right? You could kind of chalk it out or, or mark it, spray paint it out and do the do that and raise it, um, I think, with more layers so that you get a, an even bigger, you know, more um, more soil. And right. especially if you maybe have the clay, you know, with some of the new homes, right? They move in and it's like completely clay or lots of builder material and you want a large vegetable, large or small vegetable garden, I think it's a way you could, uh, you could start to do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's touch on um, some of those layers because there's some different things. So you use those two. We talked about like, um, you mentioned some kitchen scraps, but fall is a great time, you were telling me, to do your lasagna gardening. And I think one of the benefits of fall as well for the starting is that all of these different layers to get the different height, you know, that mounded row look of that raised bed. Um, and like you were saying too, we could probably build a frame and then layer all those layers inside of it. Um, but there are a lot of different things that are just readily available right now and through the year that could go into some of those layers in your garden. So we talked about the cardboard and that seems to be kind of the starting point. Um, that we layer right on top of the sod, that cardboard or that thick newspaper. Um, one of the next layers you used was that like, um, sorry, that composted pine needle mulch, was mm -hmm. it? Right. So uh, it wasn't needle necessary. Yeah, it's a composted pine, pine mulch. mulch. Um, for anybody in the GTA, uh, pick -a mix have something they call their white gold or something like that, I believe. And it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful mulch. So, and it came in those nice big bags. So it was, you know, handy. And when you say those big bags, it's those big square, like you see those one, um, one cubic foot bags that you can sometimes see with writing on the side that you like I've seen a couple golf courses or waste facilities advertise them out front too. So that's yeah. what that big soil bag is, is those companies will fill them, um, pick a mix here in the GTA and, and we'll send them out to you and then collect the bag afterwards. Or that's you take right. the back bag. Yeah. So that's one of the, the, one of the layers you can do that aged manure or that compost. But again, fall has some great things you can use as well. Um, fall given the name, right? We've got lots of, drying and dying leaves that are are falling off of our tree so if you're looking to maybe create a new bed and you need some good soil um, we could use this gardening method our um, lasagna gardening to incorporate some chopped leaves some dried and chopped leaves into a layer and so you would just continue the layer so you'd go your cardboard you could go some manure or compost uh, and then you could do your chopped leaves and then being the chopped dry leaves, that would be your brown part of your compost. So remember, you need some brown and some green components to get your uh, compost moving. So something else you could do for as we get to the end of the summer or even in the fall, again, as our cool season grasses, uh, especially here in the GTA that we use for our lawns, our grass clippings could become a part of that, that green layer. And again, you can alternate the layers. It doesn't have to be every single layer have to be different. If you've got things like chopped leaves and grass clippings, that will do it. But then like, I think like Joanne, you were saying too, um, you know, if you keep your kitchen scraps like eggshells and vegetables and mm -hmm. coffee grounds and stuff like that, you could also incorporate that into one of your, your green layers as well. And yeah. Then, and then anybody with a backyard composter too, yeah. lots of times people have, they don't know what to do with it, right? There's so much of right. it and it's not really 100% composted yet. Yes. That's okay because now it's going to compost in, in spot, right? Right. We can utilize it in there and it can finish through its own process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if they're really keen, I mean, you certainly can go and purchase some compost, you know, especially for a vegetable garden. I think, I think for me, the key is just the not the digging out the sod and not having to dispose of the sod because that's really hard. So if it was just a matter of putting cardboard down and, and you know, buying or bu buying some bags of organic mulch or, or a compost, um, you know, and then another mulch, you know, on top, if that's something that, you know, anybody even in a, in a small backyard can do, can manage that, you know, if you yeah. think of a four by four or four by six vegetable garden, that's manageable with a couple of bags of compost and some bags of mulch and some cardboard, as opposed to digging out that area of sod 
And then again, what do you do with it? It's, you know, not everybody has a wheelbarrow to haul it somewhere. And again, where are you going to haul it from too, right? So I feel like the disposal, you know, even if you're strong to remove it, like where do you, you know, disposing of it is the challenging part in my experience. Yeah. So you can use these components that are hard to get rid of and, and use them in your layering to improve your garden area. <laughs> Yeah. And I didn't have to, so you were mentioning about the dried leaves. So we, I don't remember if we dumped leaves on it, but I know we certainly didn't rake, you know, then that whole area didn't, we didn't have to rake any leaves that fell or that blew, like whatever landed on that mulch. And I did worry in the spring, like I was kind of like, and I'm sure my neighbors worried because they were like, what in the world is that, you know, um, why they weren't concerned yeah. <laughs> of the dead grass I have no idea but yeah uh so you know I think um it, that's why I think fall is a perfect time to do it because you could add you know the falling leaves you know could just naturally just decompose right in spot or in the spot right and it's not what it's one more thing you don't have to worry about right right exactly so there's all these free components that are out there um, that we can be using our leaves, our compost, the compost that we have in our backyard. And then as we were kind of getting to with the, like the Hellstrip garden, um, you used just like the two layers there um, to do yours, but you could make this a thicker layer or a bigger lasagna, depending on the amount of materials you've had. You know, you could use a raised bed um, or, you know, top up other areas with your compost or some you know, tougher weedy areas. And mm -hmm. then I think the addition to not having to dig up all that sod, um, you're also composting right into that area that you're sitting on top of. So that composting is going to create that beneficial bacteria to start breaking down the funguses that are in there to start to activate. And you're going to start to build that soil and that mi microbial life in that soil as well, which we often find in those really tough hell strip areas uh, or desiccated areas, right? We don't get the air and water penetration uh, that we do in our lawns. We're sucking up, you know, the thatch and the other organic material that ends up being there. So some of that soil uh, structure can be destroyed and the biome or the micro microbiology uh, can be destroyed there too. And that, of course, whether you're planting a lawn or, you know, perennials or shrubs or veggies, that all plays a part into the health of our soil, as well as the plants that uh, come out of that soil. Yeah, so, exactly. So and I, I think I would have, like, I would have wished I could have gone a, a thicker. Like, I think if I land uh, um, allowed, I would have. I was kind of, and even now it's, I would say the soil's pretty good, but I wouldn't, and everything grows well in it. Um, but it's not like it's beautiful, like it's the most organic, beautiful, lush soil ever, right? So I think a lot of it was I, I was limited that I couldn't, because um, if I raised it too much, you know, then the slope to the curb would have been, you know, too high. And yeah, uh, you end up getting you know, stuff falling I, into the road. Yeah, yeah. That was worried about the like if I made it too high with this with the rain, like if we got a heavy rain, would it all wash into the road? Yeah. Now that never did happen. So I'm glad about that. So I do think you have to be, you know, considerate of of how high you may want to or be or you know, physically able to be. Um, but I would have loved, you know, if I had a backyard with, you know, I think that's a great option to end up making a more of a raised garden higher, higher than the sod, you know, even and even if you were wanting to do a flower garden in your backyard, it's another great way. I mean, you can you can do it now. And I think I think that's really exciting for people. Um, I notice online, like a lot of people are talking about how to prep their beds for next year. And as they're as they're. Um, yeah. I think some of the northern areas are getting some frost potentially tonight. I saw somebody posting about Sudbury potentially getting some frost. So everybody's getting, you know, we always have to rush to put our guard, vegetable gardens to bed, unfortunately. So a lot of people are thinking about that. And I think this, you know, if the frost, you know, th this is a, something that you can do now in the next month, next six weeks, that um, will really help you hit the ground running in spring. Yeah, I agree and such easy, readily available materials that you don't have to spend a fortune using on it as well. That's right. It looks like um, just as we continue our discussion here tonight on our lasagna gardening, 
it does look like we've got a number of questions. So uh, let's jump in. Uh, we'll okay. ask some questions. Uh, our first one comes from Ruth. Ruth says, damn, I thought you were going to tell us about a new type of gardening. And then she says, dot, 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 growing pasta. I would be all for that. <laughs> she says, grow on. Uh, so <laughs> no pasta tonight in, in our lasagna, um, but you could definitely be growing the other fruits and vegetables to enhance your pasta. Some basil and some herbs and home pesto and whatever. That's so, right. Thank you, Ruth, for writing in for sure. Um, our next question as we're going through. Oh, James has written in. We haven't had one of these for a while, but James has written in, hi, can I aerate my lawn now I'm in the GTA? And yes, James, most certainly, our lawns are nice and clean and lush. It's a perfect time to get that aeration and, and that dethatching done uh, as we move towards the cooler fall temperatures, which our grass is definitely uh, loving as well. Chris has written in, uh, and thank you, James, for the question. Chris has written in, hello, I have a ton of colored print newspaper, like the community newspaper. Is colored ink okay to use with this process? Um, I'm going to let Joanne answer the question, and I, I, do, I do have a thought for me, but go ahead. Because well, did you have I color mean, in your newspaper? I didn't use newspaper. I used cardboard. Some of it, I'm looking or, back sure, at pictures yes. now. Yeah, so some was some were white and some were... Ooh. So I definitely steered clear of like the waxy ones. I, I don't know. I think, you know, there's always, and there's like UPS labels and things like that. So there's always going to be an extreme view. Um, who was the listener? Sorry. For Chris. Chris. Chris, there's yeah. always going to be an extreme view where everything has to be, you know, 100% perfect, but that's just not real life, right? Yeah. So I just feel, um, I don't think anything those in the colored print this day and age is, you know, is something that's super toxic. I could be wrong. Um, so I don't think, you know, I don't think it's a problem. Yeah. Um, as is, like I said, the only thing that really I was not as careful with, or I should say my husband wasn't as careful with, because I was the one <laughs> that buying the car, finding the cardboard was the packing tape. So obviously, you know, it didn't decompose, but it's kind of cool to see like it, like when you're digging a hole and you just see, you just where a box used to be, where cardboard used to be, you just find a piece of packing tape. It's kind of funny. Um, perfectly lined. So yeah. <laughs> so I think so. I think I don't see that, you know, the minute amount uh, in colored paper and paper, and then with all the layers, you know, in the water and the way, it, I just don't see it being a factor. Um, I'm sure there's soil scientists that may may disagree with me. What's your view, Matt? Yeah, mine was basically exactly what, what you were saying. I think ultimately, no. Um, I don't know of any of the crazy, if there's any crazy toxins or in the ink anymore, um, really to, to worry about the colors or the dyes in the paper. And then, yeah, it depends on, again, that extreme side. Like, is it really considered organic because you're using the ink, but does really considered true organic, does that really matter to you? Because the paper is going to be paper and, and the earth will take it and destroy mm -hmm. it and it'll be broken down for sure. So mm -hmm. I think, yeah, Chris, it kind of comes, comes right down to like, what's your view that's in there? If you were growing veggies and you're worried and you're trying to go organic, for sure, I'd maybe not use it. But if you were, you know, uh, building something for trees or shrubs or some nice perennials or your annual bed, they're not going to really care. You won't see any toxicity wipe out your begonias or some dahlias or whatever you're going to end up planting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree. And I think that the idea for me in doing this is that it's ease. So if it's stuff you already have yeah. and it's, you know, and it's not something you have to go out and find the most organic kind of you know, so I just think it should be something simple. And um, if you're using stuff you're going to throw away or put in the composter or put in the recycling bin anyway, Anyways. then I just, I don't know. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I can see us all now going out and taking other people's um, <laughs> uh, newspapers and stuff back in the day when we all got a newspaper. But uh, yeah, so so yeah, I don't think I would be worried about that. No, and Chris, you said in your message, you've got tons of it. So I would go with it. I would just use it up for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of along Chris's line um, of questioning, Katie has written in, what about using poster board 
Uh, that is sort of like cardboard, but not quite. And Katie says, thanks. Yeah, and again, I would just worry about like kind of what Joanne was saying with the boxes, right? You don't want that waxy layer um, that's protecting that board. But if it's kind of like natural or unfinished, uh, and again, I can't see it, but I kind of think of like, and maybe if you're writing from America, it's something different, but like that Bristol board. Yeah, I was just going like to say that, yeah. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, some of them are, are very colorful, but kind of have that waxy sheen to them. But then some of them are very matte and have nothing on them. And mm -hmm. then I would go more, the matte might take a little bit longer to break down, but cardboard's pretty thick anyways. So I'd probably go with it. But I just watch for that waxy sheen kind of breaking or building on, on Joanne's point of, of wax and tape and other sticker or plastic material there. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And I think... Um... Yeah, I, I think it was very thin, though. So I think you might run into a similar problem of the newspaper in that it, they would be kind of flapping. And like the, the nice thing about the cardboard is it really did kind of stay, you know, stay in on the ground, you know. So um, so it depends, I think, on the area that you're trying to uh, that you're trying to do so. And, and did you say before you had a friend um, who did use newspaper, but then just wet it down? Yes, yes. So, um, yeah, so somebody, um, one of my clients, she, di she didn't, she planted right away, actually. Um, and they did end up having to, uh, to wet the newspaper, but it still was hard to work with. So, you know, it's not, um, you know, I think it's, again, if that's what you have, then go for it. But right, just right. know that, that the limitations and stuff. And so maybe that answers one of our next questions is, um, we were just talking about, building it and whatnot, um, one of the questions is how long does it take, really, how long did you experience to put it all together? So how long did you and your friend, like, was it a day? Was it like five hours? Was it over a number of days? Ooh, no, it wasn't over a number of days. I wouldn't have gotten them to buy in for that, um, for that <laughs> long. I don't Boys, two you hours, know what? Let's go. I know, I know. Um, I want to say it was like, it was a good Saturday. Like I, I think it was definitely all done. Um, yeah. Now that I'm looking at some of these boxes too, I'm just, now you guys got me looking back at my pictures. So I did this <laughs> in 2016. So October of 2016. So, five so I think, ago. yeah. And, but I, I don't think that's, it's a fair, necessarily a fair question in the sense that um, it depends on your space. Right. So mine was a pretty good size. Yeah. And I had to go around a city tree and I had to go up to the curb and up to the driveway. Like I had to kind of make sure I was going in straight lines and, and it's your front yard, which I think is rarer. I could see most people doing something like this in their backyard. Yeah. Um, and again, on the corner, all my neighbors can see. So it definitely, uh, it definitely was some work. I don't think laying the cardboard was super, that, that big of a deal, like the cutting of it, maybe a little bit. But then it became, and it looks like we did a section, like we kind of had a section to from the driveway to the city tree and it's all cardboard. And then I can see the, um, the mulch on top of that. And then we kind of kept going. Okay. So, yeah. So really, and it was a really irregular shape too. So it wasn't, you know, I think if you're making like a nice rectangular vegetable bed, or if you're trying to make a curvy, yeah. uh, you know, uh, flat or like a bed, let's say along the fence in, in a backyard, I think you could, you could certainly do, you know, do it as rectangular and then kind of cut it in the curves later. Right. 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 Mm -hmm. So really, when it comes down to time, it totally depends on the size of your project. Mm -hmm. How many layers you're going to put down or using just two or three like you did? Um, what are you doing like that massive hell strip across the front of your yard? Are you building just a nice small, you know, four by four, four by six uh, vegetable garden? And again, how many layers you're having? And then kind of a follow up question to that is just, um, you know, how long does it take until the lasagna garden has baked and is all ready. You did yours and you were planting all nicely composted and ready to go. I think you said mid-June, but your friend did with the newspaper jump in and plant as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then just from what I've researched and seen as well, it does seem like it, depending on your layers going on top and what you're using in your upper layers, you could plant right away or you could wait Again, so much like your friend, you could go right in or you could wait and go through the winter and, you know, mm -hmm. October, fall, in early yeah. spring and, and let it go through the process of really breaking down um, and going into it. 
Yeah, I think that's why we thought this was a good topic to discuss now because you've got time to do it now for spring. Yeah, timing um, is right on. Yeah, so I didn't start planting in it until mid-June, but that's basically because also I'm a landscape designer. So April, May, you know, March, April, May, I'm like <laughs> yep. insane in other people's gardens. So it was really kind of that June, you know, those two weeks, like when the kids get out of school and the parents aren't calling you about their, you know, uh, that was like my window. I'm like, okay, I can, I can start planting and start buying things. And, and I did do it slowly just, and I've got pictures that kind of show you like the progression. Because I also knew I wanted eventually, so I think it was, this was the fall of 2016, yeah, and then I had a contractor bring me some rocks, like I wanted, you know, so again, it was my front garden, so I was certainly adding, um, it was all ornamental, you know, hydrangeas and some lots of ground covers, it had to be salt tolerant items, you know, so mine was definitely um, very specific for the location, I would say. Yeah, very. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, with the with the boulevard being there and salt and snow and splash from the roads, mm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, we've reached the end of our first half hour here uh, on our show. So I'm going to take a second to say thank you for joining us here live on Reality Radio 101. I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host, Joanne Shaw, and you're listening to Down the Garden Path. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week, bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the guests that join us here on the show. Uh, don't forget, you can spend more time with us down the garden path. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Our handle there is at down the garden path podcast. And you can also find us on your favorite podcast provider. And please, while you're there, hit that subscribe button to be notified of new content. And please don't forget to like, share, and leave us a comment. We love hearing from all of our wonderful listeners. Uh, You guys are really the reason we love doing this. Uh, So we love hearing, you know, anything you have to say and where you're from and what you're growing. We love hearing and seeing all of that. Don't forget, when we're off the air, you can always write us here. You can write us at instudio101 at gmail.com. Gary, our wonderful producer, always forwards the mail to us. And you can check us out on our websites. You can find Joanne at www.down2earth.ca. And you can find myself at www.naturalaffinity.ca. I want to take a quick second because I don't think we've plugged it for a while. And, um, you know, we're headed into the fall and the winter. Um, we all always say each week, we learn right along with you from our research and our guests and the mm-hmm. awesome topics that we bring you on the show. But don't forget that, um, you know, gardening is a massive, huge uh, topic, right? There are so many different facets and niches and topics and spins on topics, different perspectives we could take. So we always love to hear as well what, you, our listeners, would love to hear about as well. Have we maybe not t- covered on a topic? Or, you know, this uh, summer we talked all about trees, shrubs, perennials, uh, and evergreens. But maybe there was a tree or shrub or evergreen that you want to know more about. Or maybe there's a style of tree or shrub gardening, um, you know, Japanese-style gardening or something like that that you'd like us to dive into. We would love to hear from you. So, again, you can reach us here in studio 101 at gmail. Dot com, and you can find our uh, email and social media links on our websites. And again, Joanne is down the number two earth.ca and mine is naturalaffinity.ca. And we'd love to uh, bring you some, again, some more interesting and relevant topics that you would all love to. That's right. Uh, exactly. That's right. That's right. So we have, are we ready to take some more questions? I've got yeah, let's good take one some more for questions. you. There's yeah. A bunch coming in. Yeah. So Karen has written in and she said she's a new listener from Inglewood, California. And her question uh, to us is this, what is the difference when planting a new plant, shrub, et cetera, of using a fresh new bag of potting soil, soil or using just peat moss? Thank you. Really enjoying your radio show. So interesting. So I think uh, some differences in how we plant California versus Ontario, Canada, but what yeah. are your thoughts well, and again, just California versus Ontario. So when, Karen, you say potting soil, um, for us, it is actually a soilless peat moss-based mix 
of soil that is very light. It's got vermiculite and some perlite in it. It's good for drainage and holding moisture. And it's very lightweight so that we can move our containers in and out or around if we need to. And it pretty much can meet most of the plants different uh, or the various plants uh, requirements for soil. So we would use that here. We also do sell peat moss. It's like in a, containers though, right? In and containers. in containers, so mostly yeah, in containers. Yeah, so yes. I don't know if your question is about containers, uh, Karen, or in planting into the ground, because you say plant and shrub, but um, Right, yes. and so that's where I'm gonna go next. So yeah, the potting soil for us is peat-based. And then yes, thank you, because I don't think I said it too many times or at all. The potting soil is we use for containers, making them uh, lightweight and planting our annuals and stuff. Peat moss will do the same thing. It's just straight peat moss. It's all ground up. That we use more planting in the ground to amend the soil. So mm -hmm. we can use our peat moss to add for water retention in the soil, uh, as well as a little bit of uh, porosity if we need to, but also uh, lowering the acidity of the soil as well. Uh, so mm -hmm. if you've got something too basic or you need to lower that acidity, and it's again, just adding a form of organic matter into the ground. I like to use more compost, um, like a forest compost or a sea-based compost, has just a little bit more structure and you, you can get sometimes the little twigs and little bits that also add to that structure in the soil and, and give you a little bit more of a breakdown. So mm -hmm. if you were to use peat moss, for sure, I would use it to amend the soil that you took out of the ground. So if you dug the hole just as deep as the pot is of the shrub, for example, and a little bit wider, usually twice as wide, I would use 25% uh, peat moss and 75% that native soil that you took out of the ground, mix the two and then backfill because you're gonna see the plant is gonna recognize the peat moss. It's not quite too perfect for it. So the roots will be encouraged to move beyond the uh, edge of the hole that you dug because it's also gonna notice and identify some of that native soil that you've put in uh, there as well. So I would use something like a compost or again, just whatever your bagged ground soil is. For us, yeah. we often call it three in one or a triple mix. And it's a mix of peat moss and black earth and compost and humus and some sand and some limestone. It's not technically three in one, uh, but it's kind of that perfect loam, heavier soil that we use. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the difference between or for us. So hopefully that helps you, Karen, uh, as I go into great detail about the different yeah. soils. <laughs> Joanne's yeah. given me the hook. Okay. <laughs> well, I did want to mention too that there is an issue with the peat peat moss as well. There are yes, we probably yes. we've never done a show on that on peat moss, yeah. so we should write that down. Not, um, you know, just that it is it environmentally friendly because of the bogs and the damage of to, to land in harvesting the peat moss. Um, and do the plants really need it? So. So yeah, so that's that's a whole other show though, Karen. So thank you for your question though. Yes. Right. We won't go into yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that will be yes. A good show. And maybe we'll get uh, a peat bog grower. Yeah, or a or a yeah soil a scientist in or something like that. So, so, um, so Sue has written in. She loved our show in the past um, with Stephen about lemon trees. I live here in Toronto. Was wondering if I should bring my tree in now for the season or keep it outside a bit longer. Thanks. Um, you know what? I am also in the GTA area. Mine is outside and doing okay, but it is, we've been getting some eight degree uh, temperature. And if you have listened to the past shows, um, which obviously I think you did, it's just sorry, I was distracted reading a, somewhat of another question at the same time. But Stephen Biggs told us that our lemon trees can take up to like a negative six. Um, but right now is about the time we want to start bringing them in. Um, it is getting cold. We can in Canada just get that drop, but it also reduces some of the stress bringing in our tropicals a little early. We don't want them to get to those, you know, five degrees Celsius or those very low digits just before freezing. They'll adapt better if the warmth and that temperature kind of stays static between going from outside to inside. Mm -hmm. So you can leave it out. They have adapted to those cool nights throughout the year that just kind of you know, dipped in the middle of summer or whatever, but now is a great time. Uh, and thank you, Sue, for your question, because it's a reminder that I have my little uh, six inch one gallon guy sitting out on my balcony who's probably ready to come in. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I think the furnace too, I think it's a better idea. Like I know everybody gets all about the, the temperature outside, but I think like Matt said, I think to bring it in now, well, we don't have necessarily our furnaces on yet. And have it get, you know, I kind of like to to put them like, let's say in a garage first or a covered porch first and then for a little bit and then bring them in the house. 
um, so that it's a, it's a slower transition. And I think it's better because if we wait for it to get, you know, the night before we put the furnace on, you know, then yes. I think it's, it's a bigger shock. So, um, so yeah. So thank you for that question, Sue. That was great. For sure. That was great. And um, of course, this is a great, good question this time of year too. Um, Jane's asking about nematodes. Is there still time for nematodes and are they still available in stores in the Toronto area? Yeah, and they should definitely be um, available in stores as well. Uh, so definitely take a look. Uh, I know the garden center that I was working for will definitely hold them all the way up until usually about mid-October. Um, and then you can also, depending on, uh, oh, you're in the Toronto area, perfect Jane, uh, you could also go to naturalinsectcontrol.com. Uh, we had uh, John from there. Uh, I'm sorry, I think it's Robertson is his last name, but I didn't want to mess it up. But you can order directly from them, a nice family-owned business specializing in uh, botanical and organic controls for your garden. And you can get some very great uh, nematodes there and they're I won't go too deep into that, but they're quite a quality because they grow them themselves on site uh, and they're in vivo versus in vitro, which is pretty cool. Okay. This sciencey guy is going crazy. Um, <laughs> and we have done, we'll put in the show notes too, uh, Jane, that we've done a few episodes on nematodes. So I don't know if you've um, listened to those, but, um, and I know I did mine when I've done it, I've usually done it around the Thanksgiving weekend. Um, cause you know, I've had time to kind of really water the lawn well and, uh, and, uh, and, and apply them. So, uh, so yeah. So thanks for your question. Um, hello. Oh, longtime listener here. Hello, Denise. Uh, didn't Joanne a few years back when she did her guard cardboard card post a picture or two online. If I remember correctly, she saw something online. Yes, they are on my website. I was looking for Matt. I was trying to remember what year. So I found the photos. So I'll post a few more on our Instagram page um, as well. But they definitely are uh, on my website. I did a blog when I was writing a blog, um, which I've fallen off the track of that, but uh, you could find them there. So I did, and I kind of did like the before, the after, and then the, the like the following year planting and, and kind of followed it along. So, um, and my newsletter too, I've done a couple articles that I've shared with my, uh, my mailing list in my newsletter. So, uh, so yeah, there's definitely pictures. It's just whether I have them easily and I emailed them a couple to you, Matt, so you could see. Um, so yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening for so long, Denise. That's wonderful. Um, Joe, uh, he would like to grow some, a question from Joe, he would like to grow some veggies inside during the winter months in pots. What will grow? I am in zone six. Thank you. You're muted. <laughs> Thank you. I'm totally muted. I yeah. was typing, didn't want everybody to hear it. Um, I was excited to hear about uh, Julia DeMacos, our guest last week, talk about some of the micro tomatoes uh, that you can grow inside all year round under your lights. And they're only growing eight to 12 inches tall uh, and wide. And they're those nice little cherry types and you can get yellows and oranges and reds. Uh, so I would definitely take a look there. And I think we did answer that question in that episode as well. And we kind of talked about some leafy greens and you could do some of the other tomatoes if you had the right lighting and, and a big setup. So uh, I think Julie was just kind of saying there were some of the, the smaller, quicker crops like radishes, the micro tomatoes mm -hmm. and things like that, just based on your space and your lighting needs that you have that would work uh, best for you. So really kind of comes down to what kind of space you've got and what you're looking to grow and eat. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, certainly herbs. And I, I think there's a lot of, um, so if you wanted to do like the grow light setups, much like your seed starting in spring, you know, that's something that that's what Julia was speaking to. Um, but I know I've done, um, it's actually, it's in my office, but it's actually my son's, he asked for it for Christmas from his brother a few years ago, those little arrow gardens. Um, I don't know the exact brand, but it's got three, um, yeah, it's like, like uh, click and grow. Home. Yeah. Mine's a Oh, and now go, I'm back. No, I'm back. Uh, see, I, I walked away. Uh, I left the scene. Um, click and grow. And so little pods. And so we've grown basil. Like, so a lot of the things you have to order um, online to get the little pods. So basil and, and um, 
um, some, like, yeah, lettuces and arugulas and things like that. So, uh, so yeah, so that's kind of an, another option too, if you just want to dabble in it, or I think that would be cool for kids. You know, I think that's like a cool mm -hmm. toy for kids and they can pick, you know, pick something that each of them might like and, and watch it grow. Um, you know, there's a water, so they just have to water the reservoir and then it's, it's a wick that, that, um, waters the plant. So, yeah. So I think that's another option. If anybody's seen, I'm sure you've seen those out there, but it's, it's kind of a cool, uh, thing in a smaller set. It's like a smaller commitment. Yeah. Nice space saver, smaller commitment. Um, I think we jumped over Blaine's question. Uh, Blaine wrote in, hello, what about using egg containers? Not the styrofoam ones. A friend of his works at an egg farm uh, and they have thousands of these eggs cartons that they can only use once and or twice. And then by law, they have to burn them. Would these work? Um, I've used them egg cartons from just, you know, the cardboard or the pressed board, not pressed board, but that, you know, that thick papery type. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, that you get your eggs in. I've used them on my balcony and in my sister's garden uh, before and they break down and didn't give me any issues. I've often used them uh, for starting with seeds. I've probably actually got uh, two dozen or so waiting for this winter and spring. So yeah, you could. Um, they have worked in the garden. Now, as I say that, Blaine, I don't want you to get you in trouble by uh, getting these, just because you're saying then by law, they have to burn them. I don't want to get you or your friend or that company in, in trouble. Don't break the law or do anything like that. Um, but just to your point, they they would work. Um, but I would mm -hmm. just be careful with the whole law thing and don't get anybody in trouble by doing it. But yeah, I didn't that, know why they had to do that. But yeah, um, that was yeah. very interesting and caught me too. I've never I guess heard you, of that. You couldn't reuse it. They don't want them reusing it for chicken, maybe like chicken to chicken, like back at like the eggs kind of thing. But it, yeah, so, but I could see definitely yeah. wetting them. I, th I think I would break it up and wet it, but I think it would definitely, um, you know, I think it would, I'm sure people put them in the composter and, and that have backyard compost and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it really just is paper. Yeah. Um, like a paper pulp. And once it's wet, it, it really does become uh, pretty flimsy. So yeah, I don't, I don't see why that wouldn't work. Yeah. So there, I, I did read Blaine's question and then I think I just kept going. So oh. sorry about that. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my God. Time is flying. I'm so glad people are interested in this topic. So um, that is very cool. That's right. Have we gone through all of our own questions before we, I think a, a couple have just popped back in again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's, you know, it's not rocket science. It's, it's pretty straightforward. Um, and so I think we've been able to explain it to everybody. And, I, and I'm curious to know if there's anybody who's tried it. And also for that boulevard, what we would call the hell strip, you know, that boulevard, um, you know, between the sidewalk and the curb and that really tough, you know, where the dogs pee and the kids walk and, and stuff like that. Uh, I, I think that would be interesting to see, uh, to hear from any listeners who may have tried it in those really tough conditions as well uh, and see what success. Or if, the, if you've done, if this is how you do your vegetable garden, I'd love to hear that too. I think Matt and I would both love to hear that. And even if those come in after the show, we'll, we'll definitely um, talk about them next week. So, um, so yeah, so thank you. Um, so yeah, were there any other questions you had for me, Matt, about it? I just was wondering if you saw any, just, I mean, we've talked all about the pros of it. Were you, or have you seen in just your, in your experience in growing over the years, uh, were there any cons to it? I think maybe the only one that I, I heard maybe you say in your description was you're still pulling up little like rows of tape and stuff like that. <laughs> I think um, I got it all now. Now that it's all been planted, I think I'm good. But yeah, I think little <laughs> things like that. And I think certainly met, um, and it's funny too, because if there was a gap in the folding uh, covering over of the, of the, uh, of the cardboard, yeah, didn't grasp darn it grow <laughs> you know so right. so I think you know really making sure you're overlapping um and covering and we only had a few spots of that but I just found it hilarious because I felt like the grass didn't even really grow before we did this and here we do it and we, we miss you know three three inch spots and and grass grows right but um so yeah so I think just making sure um it's it's a nice covering and when you're doing a bigger area, you know, that you really can overlap them a little bit. And, and I think it, there might be ways if you did want to plant early spring, like I couldn't plant early spring, but maybe wetting it or, or, you know, kind of, um, you know, encouraging decom decomposition quicker. 
and I think we, I didn't pay attention to what my winter was like, but now that our winters are getting drier and drier, wetting it might be, an, might be a help, right? If it's a big garden, you know, making sure that if it hasn't gotten a lot of rain that it, or snow cover, that it does get a bit more um, to help make sure that the garden has, the cardboard has de decomposed for, uh, or paper for planting in the spring. So, yeah. All right. Very cool. So that wraps up as we get to the last 10 minutes of our show, wraps up everything um, kind of you need to know the pros and cons and how to do lasagna gardening in your uh, yard. So if you have done it or if you are looking forward to trying it out yourself, definitely we'd love to see pictures. You can write us here again at instudio101 at gmail.com, whether we're live or off the air. But we would love uh, for you to share as well with all of our other listeners and ourselves on our Instagram page um, and as well as our Facebook group. And the handles there are at Down the Garden Path Podcast. Uh, so you can follow us there and join the conversation more so on Facebook than Instagram, as I realize uh, what I just said there. But yeah, definitely share some pictures and let us know how it goes. Did you start one uh, this uh, winter or fall? Mm -hmm. And did you go all the way through? That's right. That's right. Um, so I love this message from Gail. I don't, did you read it? Um, so she, she gave us some uh, topics that she would like to hear about. So these are good future shows, which we want to know. Um, and one, getting rid of rodents in my garden. Uh, chipmunks, I would love to know. Yeah. Uh, veggies are fruits that we can grow in pots inside in the winter. We kind of already asked that, but we could maybe do a whole show on that. So that's something to think about. Yeah, we could right. definitely come up with more cultivars and varieties and stuff for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and advice from Joanne on how the Blue Jays can make the World Series. Yeah, that's a tough one. But <laughs> that's goodness. hilarious. Uh, but you're watching. Are you, Gail? Oh, my goodness. So, um, yeah. <laughs> but they're not on tonight, so we're good. So then we play tomorrow. So we'll see. We're going to face the Yankees for the next few few days. So dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. I just like to get in the playoffs. I think that's cool. And, you know, World Series. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you for that, Gail. Um, Jim has also written in new listener here from Berkeley, California. Love the show. Thank you. And thank you, Jim, for, for tuning in as well. Um, you can find lots of past episodes. We do post live show as our podcast on all of the major podcast providers. So Thank you for tuning in and joining us this evening. We've also got uh, Brian Woodruff. Uh, Joanne gives me a look as I start to read. Uh, <laughs> hello, favorite gardening show. Man, you uh, put Brian to work, man. <laughs> right? For Christmas, thanks. Uh, we are definitely working on, on that book. Timeline, I couldn't give you at the moment. We will... Um, we will definitely keep everybody apprised. It is on one of our front burners and that's we are right. excited about it. So I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. That well, I will say, Brian, that's why we need some show ideas is because we were like our, now our focus is a little scattered. So yes, <laughs> is that a bad confession Matt, to make? So, uh, so yeah. So, okay, Brian, give us your list <laughs> um, and we'll get you the book. So yeah, we're working away. For sure. Winnie mm. has also written in. Hello, Joanne and Matt. Great questions tonight. Fantastic advice. Enjoying the show. Thanks. And thank you for tuning in and again, enjoying uh, the show. We love doing it for everybody. We do. Uh, we do. Yeah. And Reed has also written in. Just tuned in. Sorry to be late. Haha. <laughs> Can I please have both your websites again, please? Uh, thank you. And you most certainly may, Rita. Uh, you can find Joanne at www dot down the number to earth.ca and you can find all of her social media links uh, there including her email as well you can find me at triple w natural and again all my social media links uh, and my email is there as well and uh, just for and as I'm going back already totally forgetting all of our new listeners names uh, but at least one of them was Jim uh, but on our websites as well you can find links to the podcast and past episodes as mm -hmm. well through our websites mm -hmm. so definitely reach out there and lastly again Gary our wonderful producer always will send uh, uh, our mail to us here so if you ever have a question or a concern or an idea in studio101 at gmail.com is our email address. 
That's right. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, is a good place and we do our best to get back to everybody um, if we can. And uh, yeah, so, so definitely show ideas and questions. We love them. And, uh, and I'm excited. I hope everybody, I can't wait to hear if anybody tries this um, lasagna gardening and uh, thinking about a different way, or especially, I think it's, it's something to sh share with your friends, anybody who's moved to a new house or, you know, kind of mentioned about wanting a vegetable garden or wanting to start a new garden in a new spot, even just planting a, you know, a couple shrubs in a, in a corner, you yeah. know, it, it, uh, it really can kind of help prepare everything. So, um, so yeah, so I think it's a, it's a great, uh, great thing um, to try. And uh, definitely I will, we'll have all the information. Um, I'll see if I can even put some photos of mine uh, in the show notes as well. So, um, so I'll have a link to um, Evelyn Haddon's book, as well as uh, some of the other things we mentioned um, tonight uh, will also be in the show notes. Yeah, and, maybe we uh, can post to our Instagram Down the Garden Path mm -hmm. podcast and uh, the Facebook group as well. Mm -hmm. That's right. That is right. So, um, so how are you doing? How's school as we wrap up? And our, um, you know, you are no longer at the garden center. I know That's many right. of our past listeners uh, realize that. So you are full time, kind of. Well, you're full time teaching, part time, whatever. You know, you're teaching school. You're teaching the yeah. kids and uh, uh, students uh, in the nursery, which, which is the subject, subject you're teaching this fall? Yeah, this uh, year I am teaching uh, annuals and herbaceous perennials for historic and contemporary gardens Ooh. is the technical name for that, wow. that course. I thought that was nursery. <laughs> so is nursery production in the spring? Right. So then in the spring or the winter semester, I teach uh, nursery operations and management. Okay. Yeah, so okay. in this one, we learn about all the annuals and perennials and dividing and all the fun stuff. And then in the nursery operations and management, we start uh, growing them and producing them like in pots, like you'd find at a garden center to build the college arboretum and, and sell and fun mm. stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, so I have an annual question stuff. for you then. Um, so someone called me, someone from my garden club called me today because, you know, we've been talking on the show a lot about not putting, not cutting everything back in your garden and not, um, you know, just letting the natural things happen and then just doing your garden tidy up in the spring. Um, and I don't plant annuals in, especially in my garden. So she was calling my, uh, my friend from the club was calling to say that um, her little community garden, they were saying, well, let's just leave because of that, let's leave the annuals in and not clean them up and let them decompose and then next year we can just put mulch on top of them and we don't have to clean them out mm. I I didn't know that we were like is that true like do you think well I thought there were some annuals like impatience or begonias that were fairly organic and and will decompose fairly quickly but yeah. others like ger geraniums and and things like that that really I felt like in the spring you're going to still just be having to pull out those dead dead sticks exactly if you've got yeah okay. like your begonias and your impatient something very fleshy or watery stem they will usually pop and break down and pardon me break down and and become almost nothing and you might just give a quick rake and they're gone but yeah if you get your like your salvias and your geraniums uh, cosmos some of the bigger woodier things that's where you're going to run into a little bit more cleaning in uh, the spring. So it might be more advantageous for you in the fall, for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. Mm -hmm. And then you have all those root masses as well, you might have to dig up. But yeah, so it's I don't I didn't think it really and I don't see the insects like the bees and the other things like the beneficial insects um, living in annuals per se. Right, especially with them being that big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, that was our last question that there we go. Thank you everybody <laughs> for listening. That's right. And joining us here uh, on Down the Garden Path, we look forward to hearing from you all next week as we bring you a new interesting and relevant topic to help you in your garden success. Uh, what that'll be, we're still, we're going to work on that one. Uh, but we'll look forward to talking to you all next week. Thank you again for joining us here on Down the Garden Path. And you're listening to us here on Reality Radio 101. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your hosts, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing, right here 
on Reality Radio 101.